Thanks for tuning into this week's message. For more resources and information about Cedar Valley, please visit cvchurch.org. We're, uh, we just finished up Luke last week. We finished up the, the book of Luke, so here's kind of where we're going. We'll do a two-week series on community. It's one of our great values around here is real community. And so we're going to talk about that for the next two weeks. It'll conclude next week with, with the house party. And then for about six weeks, we're going to do a series just called The Bible Says. The Bible Says. And uh, we'll look at the Bible, what the Bible says about, week, number one, week one, the Bible. And I hope you don't think this. This is a weird thought for you, so just soak this in for a minute. We don't believe in Jesus because the Bible says so. We actually believe the Bible because of Jesus. We'll flesh that out a little bit next week, uh, in in three weeks rather. So I think you're going to want to be here. But then from there, we go, why why would I believe the Bible? And maybe you're somebody who's who's, uh, newer to church and you go, "Why, why do we believe the Bible? Kind of crazy, right? Or maybe you say to yourself, I, I, I used to go to church. I don't go to church anymore. I'm coming back to church. We're going to talk about why do we actually put any credibility in it. And then once we uh, have that as our foundation, we'll go to what does the Bible say about Jesus? What does the Bible say about the devil? What does the Bible say about conflict? We'll look at what the Bible says, like a number of things, right? And they're really designed for your life groups to have discussion. We want you talking about this stuff, digesting this stuff, chewing it up. So we'll do that for about six weeks. And then, and I said this last week, we'll go into the book of Romans. And we literally may be in the book of Romans for about a year. We may be there for about a year. Now, let me just say this, because this is the war cry sometimes. Be very careful. This is, I'm speaking to myself, and I've been there, where it's like, yes, pastor, just teach us the Bible. That's all we want is the Bible. I'm like, well, we teach the Bible, but eventually it's got to come out of you. Right? If all we do is teach the word, you know what happens to the sheep? They get fat and constipated. It's got to come out of you. I don't know if we can say that in church, but it better come out of you somewhere along the line. And so we may be in the book of Romans for about a year, all right? So today we're going to start in community. We're in Mark chapter 2, Mark chapter 2. And so if and when you get that, if you have your Bible, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet, if you would. Mark chapter 2. And again, if you're new, I always explain this every week. The only reason we stand here is just to remind us. It's not a better way to do it. If you go to churches and they don't, they're not wrong. and we're, It's none of that. We just like to do it because it reminds us. This is God's word. God is speaking to the people in a building in Bloomington in 2022. He's got a word for us today. We just want to remember who this is from. Chapter 2, and I'm starting in verse 1. It says, when Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no room, even outside the door. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat, verse 4. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. And so they dug a hole through the roof above his head. And then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, My child, your sins are forgiven. Verse 6, but some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, what is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking. And so he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Verse 9, is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven? Or is it easier to say, stand up, pick up your mat and walk? So I'm going to prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. And then he turns to the paralyzed man and he says, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And the man jumped up. He grabbed his mat. He walked out through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed. And they praised God, exclaiming, 
We have never seen anything like this before. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your holy word. And we thank you that it's not just a book that some fellows wrote some 2,000 plus years ago. We thank you that it's living and active, that it speaks into our life, it speaks truth. We thank you that it reveals who you are. And so, Holy Spirit, we need you. And we need you to explain this to us. And I'm asking, Spirit, speak this into our lives in a way that, that makes sense to us in our actual own lives. I believe you have the power to speak into each individual life the message that you want this morning. And so do that, God. Do it in a way that draws us to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys can have a seat. Uh, I think you've probably noticed this. There is this gravitational pull for us. There's this real true propensity. Like this just happens over time, over time, over time. It happens for us personally in our lives sometimes for, for re- different reasons. It happens to us personally. And it, ha- it has happened to us culturally over time, over time, over time, especially as we think about the last two years, that just naturally pulls us away from human relationships, from meaningful human relationships relationships. It's, it's just happened over time. Now think about this, because we could say since the beginning of time, I don't know if that's true, but, but I would say this, think in our own country and think in our country's history and go back to maybe 1920-ish. And there was an invention. There was an invention that happened in the United States. There was an invention that came into almost every house and it's in almost every living room. And that has impacted us, and it has turned us inward, and it has turned us away from each other. Almost every one of us has this, whether we have a house, whether we have an apartment, whether we, almost everybody has this, and it's in the middle of the room. Think about it, because I took this picture from our house so that you know we are no different. I think everybody knows what we're talking about. On the count of three, let's all say it. We're talking about one, two, three. That's right, the air conditioner. And I took this picture at our house. This is Kimmy right here. This is how she does. I'm so reading her book. Think about this. Now just think for a minute. Like this is true. And Kim, just so you know, and I appreciate you being back because I was running out of material. But Kimmy will sit and read her book. And then a lot of times she's reading and then I come home and it's like, hey, <laughs> welcome to my world, everybody. But I want you to think about this. Like, no kidding. Think about how the design and the architecture of American homes have changed. Now, think about this. Before the air conditioner, you know how they built homes? Large front porches. Some of them were screened in, but you had large front porches. And it's summertime, or it's the spring, or it's warm fall. And where does everybody sit? Out in front of their house. And who do you see? Your neighbors. And you say hey to your neighbors. And you know your neighbors. You knew your neighbors. Did you know that today the studies say less than 20% of Americans today know the neighbors on both sides? And so you have things like the air conditioner. And, and, and it's just started. Look at the design of homes today. We don't have front porches. Now, there's a tendency it's going back to that. But I'm just saying, homes that were built from 1920 on, big front porch, big screen in front porch. You saw your neighbors. You talked to your neighbors. And then it wasn't just the air conditioner. Think about this. What would be the electric garage door opener? Some of you drive into your driveways. We're one of them. We're one of them. You hit the button. Your garage door goes up. You go in. It comes down. Boop, gone. 
No neighbors. You don't say hey to your neighbors. You don't talk to anybody. You're in. The door's down. You're protected now. We don't see anybody. We don't talk to anybody. And then you couple that with things like the telephone. Great invention. Love it, love it, love it. But now not only do we not talk to people face-to-face, right? Like we're not seeing them. We, we don't talk face-to-face. We don't have face-to-face conversations. Great invention. Love it. Wouldn't be without it, right? But I'm just saying we don't even have face-to-face conversations. And then multiply that because now we all have cell phones. And then we have the Internet. So think about this. Not only do you not see people face-to-face or you don't talk face-to-face, like, you don't even shop face-to-face anymore. Like, we're, we're, we're slow adapters. We're late adapters. And now we order everything on Amazon, right? You can get groceries on Amazon. You can get all your vitamins on Amazon. You can get shoes on Amazon. You can get a shirt on Amazon. You can do everything you want on Amazon. And so there's no human interaction. And then along with Internet, of course, came email. And now you don't have to even talk to them by voice because you just do this. And we say horrific things over texts and emails that we would never say face-to-face. But we don't have face-to-face interaction anymore. And so we just keep shrinking up. And then you go to things like social media. I know, and I'm going to go on a rant because I'm the old man screaming at folks to get off his lawn. But I'm just telling you, folks, (laughs) social media is the greatest lie out there. Social media keeps telling you have all these friends. Do you know how you have all those friends? You isolate yourself. Think about the irony. You isolate yourself in your room to have friends. Anybody? Nobody. Just me. Okay. And so then we have the internet. And then on top of that, we've had COVID over the last two and a half years. And so COVID, right, we were all shut up. Do you remember? We were just talking about this last night. Do you remember this with COVID? Do you remember curfew? You you couldn't go out of your You couldn't be out after 8 o'clock at night. We're never out after 8 o'clock at night, but you couldn't legally, you couldn't go out after 8 o'clock at night. And then even when there were people there, you couldn't see them. Okay, on top of all that, on top of all the historical context, on top of all that, then add to that your own relational history. I know this. I know every single person in this room has been hurt by another person. You've just been hurt by people. And so now you have this natural tendency to go, hmm, I, I just, it, it, like, this is just me, welcome to my world, but I'm one of those people. And so I just know, and I struggle with this, I know that, and I struggle with it, and I say, I've kind of been wounded enough, and so we'll get this close, but this is all the closer we'll get. And so sometimes you miss out on real community, you miss out on real relationships. And so when you add all this and all this and all this, here's the question, and it makes total sense. Why would I go to the trouble of building a real community? I mean, real relationships, I mean, real friendships, what we would call real community. Why? Why would I? There's all this gravitational pull away from it. There's historical, like there have been inventions, there there have been pandemics, right? There's everything that's pulling me away. There's my own history. Why would I? Well, listen, we can talk to, I can give you all the reasons in the world. We can talk to sociologists. We can talk to medical professionals. There are all, let me, let me just give you some simple ones, right? First of all, did you know this? The medical professionals tell us that people who have real community, did you know that they heal quicker? Did you know that, that when they're sick or when they're rooted, they actually heal quicker? Did you know that they have lower blood pressure? That they have a stronger and more robust immune system because they have real community? Did you know that people who have real relationships, real community, actually experience mind-blowing, less physical pain? Isn't that weird? 
that they have a greater sense of purpose, that sometimes life is just practical and we have practical problems and real problems. Did you know that when you have real community, there's practical help for those problems? Did you know that people who have real relationships, I mean real community, they have a higher sense of self-esteem, lower rates of anxiety and depression, which is difficult. And believe me, this depression thing, this anxiety, it's real. It's real. This is the great lie is just like, well, you should have more faith. Don't, don't, don't say that to people. Right? And, the, and, and the, the irony of that is, and the catch-22 is, when you're struggling with anxiety and depression, you desperately want relationship. But you know what you won't do? You won't go have relationship. People who have real community actually experience less anxiety and depression. People who have real community, they're more productive and they live longer. Okay, now here's the deal. This is all good. This is all good right here. But by the time we're done today, by the time we're done today, I'm going to give you something that, that makes those pale in comparison. And I want you to catch the vision for this. And I want you to see from the scriptures why we do that. So we're in Mark. We're talking about real community, real community. I'm not talking about, you know, your, your social network. Okay. I'm talking about real. I mean, I'm talking about meaningful. I'm talking about life-giving community. So look at your text this morning. Now, just so you know where we're at, we're in the book of Mark. And you should just... I always think background is helpful for me, so if this doesn't help you, that's okay. We have, if you're new to church world, we have four, what we call four gospels. A gospel is basically the story of Jesus. It's kind of the story of his life. We have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Okay, out of the other gospel uh, writers, Matthew and John were actually disciples. They were eyewitnesses. They saw everything. We have Luke, who was a physician, and Luke was the only non-Jewish writer of the New Testament. Okay, we have Luke. He wasn't a disciple of Jesus. We think he got his uh, information clearly. He got it somewhere else. And then we have Mark. Mark is also known as John Mark. Now, John Mark was younger than the other gospel writers, uh, probably was an eyewitness to some of the things of Jesus, but he wasn't one of the disciples. Okay, question, where did he get his information? Well, John Mark uh, traveled with the apostle Paul. Okay, Apostle Paul had an actual encounter with Jesus, and he traveled with the Apostle Paul. However, John Mark also traveled with Peter. He traveled with Peter. Now, now think about this. Peter's a fisherman. He's most likely illiterate. Can't read or write, probably. Uh, doesn't speak the Greek language, and he wants this word out there. Now, here's the, here's the catch of this. John Mark traveled with, with uh, Peter when Peter went to Rome to be in prison. Okay, now he's a first century Christian. He's a Christ follower, and he's going to prison. There's a good chance that Peter probably has an idea. He could die. Like, it, it, this very well could happen. And so Peter's talking to John Mark, and they're saying, Brother, you have got to write this down. Because Peter was an eyewitness. He was one of the closest three. Peter, James, and John, they were brothers. But Peter was one of the inner circle. He saw He was there for everything. He saw it. And they said, Brother, we have got to write this stuff down for future generations. Now, I don't know this, and I'm just guessing. I don't know that he was thinking about Bloomington, Minnesota in 2022. But I'm telling you, his word is every bit for Bloomington in 2022. If you're in this building, I don't care where, if you, where you live, if you're online. I'm saying this is a word for us spoken in advance through John Mark by the Apostle Peter. So Peter's telling us this story that we just read, and here's your text. When Jesus returned to Capernaum, Several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Now, again, I'm very visual, so I like to just spell this out for you. This is the nation of Israel. It's just this long strip of land. This is the Mediterranean Sea out here. Uh, so just a fun, 
fun point of reference sometimes. If you don't think that the Jews, that the nation of Israel are God's people, okay, look at a map. Because you see the nation of Israel is a dot like this, and you see the hostile Arab world living all around it, and you think, how do these folks survive? Chosen people of God. So here's the nation of Israel. This is the Mediterranean Sea. The, the, the eastern border here, this is the Sea of Galilee. This is the Dead Sea down here. This is the Jordan River. And the Jordan River somewhere down in here is where John the Baptist would have been baptizing folks. It's where Jesus himself would have been baptized. Okay, then you have the three regions. You have Galilee is this region up to the north. You have Samaria in the middle. And you have uh, Judea down here in the south. Of course, Jerusalem is down in Judea. And Capernaum is where Jesus is now. Now, Jesus didn't grow up. So when they said he's back home, Jesus didn't actually grow up in Capernaum. Jesus grew up basically in Nazareth. That, that was their hometown. Remember, his folks went down to Bethlehem because there was a census. But they had come from Nazareth. Nazareth is only about 20 miles south west of Capernaum. So when it says they saw that he was back home, Capernaum is like, it's kind of like home area. And it was his home base. He had a lot of ministry up in Galilee. It was his home base. So now Jesus is up in Capernaum and the folks are finding out about it, right? And then the passage said, soon the house where he was staying, just maybe, maybe, some theologians think maybe it was Peter's house. It's a possibility. The house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no, no more room. And I mean, when I, they say there's no more room, there's not even room outside the door. That's how packed the house is. Now, archaeologists have dug up homes from that era. And we have homes where like, hey, we have a bedroom and we have a bathroom. And hey, we have a kitchen. And we have some, a master closet or whatever, whatever. Their homes are like one room, maybe two rooms. That was it. And they tell us that probably homes of that era, you could maybe, maybe, possibly fit 50 people in there. And so you imagine this house. It's packed. Everybody, this is so awesome to me. Everybody wants to see Jesus. And we always say this, people who are nothing like Jesus, like Jesus. And they're jammed in there. And they're up on their tiptoes like this. And they're looking over everybody's shoulders. And they're, they're just squeezed in, right? And people are at the front window. And their heads are squeezed in. And they're all huddled around the window. And over here is the door. And it's packed in the door. And, and the door, it's not even outside the door, which is weird to me. There's not even room outside the door. It's so packed. And you could probably hear a pin drop. Everybody wants to see Jesus. Everybody wants to hear Jesus. And what's Jesus doing? Well, he's preaching God's word to them. Not like we call this the Bible. They wouldn't have had the Bible, but he would have been reading from one of the Old Testament prophets, maybe Isaiah, or maybe he's, he's reading from, from Deuteronomy, and he's preaching God's word to them. And suddenly, four men arrive, and they're carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. Now, I just highlighted the four men because we read the story and something so cool is about to happen that we just forget these four men. And I want us to think about these four men for just a minute. This guy on the mat is paralyzed. Okay? Now think about this. In the ancient world, paralyzed meant you were cursed by God. So either you were born that way because you're being cursed by God. Perhaps it's your parents, whatever. You're paralyzed and you're born that way because you're cursed by God. This is the thoughts of the ancient world. Or something happened to you in your life and you became paralyzed because you were cursed by God. Either way, you're cursed by God. Well, here's the deal. You don't befriend these people and you don't get too close to these people because you don't want the curse rubbing off. Like that's just the way you would think. So here's what you got to know about these dudes. They don't just pick up a guy who's paralyzed. 
They know a guy who's paralyzed. And they must really know this dude, and they must really love this guy. Otherwise, you don't pick up a paralyzed dude because you don't want the curse rubbing off. And not only that, but they go to the work. Like he's on this little mat. It's this little cot, this little mat. And they pick it up, and they're carrying him. Like it's work. These are guys who love him. They know him. They know his story. They may know his circumstance. They very likely know his family. These are guys that know what he dreams about. Think about it. This guy's paralyzed. He still has a mind. When he lays down at night, he has dreams. He has hopes. They know his pain. They know he's really bummed that he's paralyzed because... And, 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 he, and he just longs for something. These four guys are not just four guys. Like, this is real community. These are four guys who will go to the work to pick him up and then risk this idea that maybe there's a curse. Maybe there's a curse. And they don't care. Like, this is real community. And here's what they know. They've been hearing about this Jesus. And for all we know, maybe one of these four have witnessed Jesus and they've seen a miracle. And they've seen, and they're saying this the whole time. I know him. I know his story. I know his hopes. I know his dreams. I know Jesus can. I know he can. I already know that. I'm just hoping he will. I know he, listen, this is faith. Can I just tell you this for one second? That's faith. I know Jesus can. I hope he will. Right? Like that's what we have, that's what we have in our heads. Like when, when there's faith and you're wanting for something, you're longing for something, you're hoping for something, you're praying for something. And we say this, I know he can. I hope he will. I know he can. I hope he will. I know he can. And these guys are carrying this guy and they're marching along and they're thinking in their head, I know he can. I hope he will. I know he can. I hope he will. I absolutely know he can. I hope he will. And they're thinking that could happen for this friend of theirs. These are real friends. They're bringing him because they know Jesus can and they're hoping Jesus will heal this guy. So they get up close to the house. Now they're getting there. And it says this, but they couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. Like the crowd is so big. The crowd, it's, it's pouring out. Like you would walk up and you're like, well, not even at the front door. We can't even stand at the front door. We can't stand near a window. People are all around. People are everywhere. There's nothing we can do. What are we going to do here? Well, so. So what? So they turn around and they go home. And they think to themselves, well, we'll try another day. Too bad. Bummer. Bill here, we were thinking this was going to be Bill's day. We were hoping Bill was going to get healed today. Like that's what they were really hoping for. And they see that it's so packed, so they just turn around and go home. That's not what they do. So they dug a hole through the roof above, its, above Jesus' head. Like they just, like how crazy is that? And then not only that, but then they, they lowered the man on his mat. Right down in front of Jesus. Now, homes at that time would be simple one-story structures in general. But then right along the side of the house, it was very common that they would have these stairs. They're built right along the side of the house. And they would have these stairs that go up. And you could walk up the stairs and you could get on the roof. And you could sit on the roof. And you could sit up in the, in the sun. Or you could sit up in the, in the cool breeze. You could sleep up on the roof. But it was very common. Listen to me. These guys see that the house is packed. They don't go home, man. They go to work. They're thinking. They're getting creative. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's go up the stairs. And now they head up the stairs. Now I want you to imagine for just a minute that you're in the house. You're actually somebody who's in the house and you're feeling good about yourself. You're feeling really good about yourself because you're like, I heard that this Jesus was coming and I took action and I got here and I beat the suckers that are back there. Like those losers are outside. I'm inside. This is awesome. And you're jacked about it. And Jesus starts talking. And you start to do this like, and you're like, 
Now, houses at that time, you know this, that, that uh, their, their roofs were made oftentimes of straw and manure. Straw and manure. Now, Luke tells us that this house had a tile roof. So this, this individual must have been pretty wealthy. But still underneath the tile, a lot of times it's straw and manure. Okay, you're all packing, packed in the house, and you can hear like a pin drop. And, <laughs> and you're looking like this. You're like, what's going on with this dude's house? Does he not pay the bills? What's going on in here? And then it's not just that it's flaking off. You see something poking through. You're poking through. I always wonder this. Was the owner of the house there? Because <laughs> that is like, like does, my, does my insurance cover this kind of thing? And how fast can I get an adjuster out to my house? Right? And they dig a hole in the guy's roof. And then they lower the guy right in front of Jesus. I know he can. I hope he will. I know he can. I hope he will. And they're thinking that. And they've gone to the work and they've lowered this brother down. Now, we're going to get to the interaction with Jesus, but I want to point a couple things out. Because these four brothers, this is real community. And I don't want us to miss this. I don't want us to lose, fast, lose track of these four guys. So I want to make a couple observations. First of all, the first thing you need to know is this. Real community carries the mat. Like real community says, I know Jesus can. I hope he will. Let's do it. Let's pick up the mat. Let's go. Let's walk. And I don't know how far they carried the mat. I really don't know. Maybe they carried it a block. Maybe they carried it a mile. Maybe they carried it five miles. They knew Jesus could and they'd hope he will. And sometimes community just picks up the mat. Now, here's what mats are. Man, mats are those hardships in our life that remind us that life is hard. Like the mat is those things in life that remind us that life is real. That life is difficult. That life is mats are our brokenness, right? Like this guy's mat was a, his paralysis. That was his brokenness, and it made life difficult and challenging for him. Remember, in the, in the first century, man, we don't have much for social services. We don't have much for health care. I mean, this guy had a hard time taking care of himself. He certainly couldn't earn money. The mat was was creating that. The paralysis was creating that. The paralysis was creating this brokenness for him. And these guys pick it up. See, mats in our life are things like real anxiety, like real depression. That, that's a mat. That's our brokenness, right? Mats are like broken relationships, like difficult relationships. I'm talking about relational hardships. Mats sometimes is your financial brokenness and your financial hardship, right? Mats sometimes are an addiction that we just can't beat, Right? Mats are all those things. It's a, it's a physical problem. It's a physical ailment. Like that's what a mat is. And real community carries the mat. Real community picks you up on your mat and carries you. That's what real community does. And if I went around the room and I passed a microphone around the room, you could give testimonies of times that somebody has carried your mat. And maybe the reason that you're here in this room today and maybe the reason you came to Jesus is because somebody carried your mat. And I think in my own life, and I don't, I'm not even sure where I'd be, I don't know that I'd be here, except that about 22 years ago, somebody carried my mat in the worst time of my life, in the most ugh, time of my life, a brother was there to carry my mat. See, that's what real community, and only real, because casual friends don't do that. Real community does that. Now, I could blah, 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 but they say his picture is worth a thousand words, so watch this video.
We started here in 97, 1997. We moved up here from Des Moines. And when we started in this life group, it really reconnected us to other people and to our church. It was great. Mm -hmm. Our life group has been together for six, six or seven years. So in uh, December of 2018, I was diagnosed with um, stage four prostate cancer and stage three renal kidney cancer, totally different cancers. I came home from work. I got the news via a phone call. I took the rest of the day off, told my boss. Um, I did break down. I tried not to panic and just prayed and um, said, let's, let's just do what we gotta do and trust the Lord. When I was uh, diagnosed, the doctors told me that um, stage four prostate cancer is treatable, but it's not curable. And my initial thought was, but with God, it is. The uh, first three years ago, when I went through treatments, um, gave me three good years. And now, middle of another chemo session, and I'm expecting at least another three years. Now, if there's anything, any of us, if there's prayer that needs to, or something happens, um, the first thing we do is we send out a, a text yeah. message to the group. I remember when he was sick, Tony called me and said, is there anything we can do for you? And I'm like, no, no, we're good, we're good. And then he said, anything, can I come mow your lawn? And I just started to cry. Yeah, would you come mow my lawn? <laughs> and he did. And that seemed like such a little thing, but you sometimes just feel overwhelmed. And now I know I can just ask. And when you need prayer and you're exhausted or you're tired and you just can't pray anymore, you know someone is standing in the gap for you. Maybe you can't believe for healing right now, but somebody can. I am waiting for that divine healing. And uh, God keeps telling me I'm healing you in so many other ways. Having these people in our life, you know, you see their prayer life because you pray with them. You see their servanthood. And that really spurs you on to live better. Yeah, there are times when um, I'll maybe have had a bad week at work or something. Um, family issues or something that just um, says to me, I don't want to go. I don't want to be there. And it's, and, and you know, you would think that lessons learned every time that happens, there's really a reason why, because when you're done, you're going, gosh, I'm really glad I went. Yeah. It's, you really it, miss it when. Yeah, when we're not there, mm -hmm. you miss, you miss it, yeah. definitely miss it. I can't imagine not having this life group. I feel like they're there for me when he's sick. And he'll they'll be there as witnesses if he gets healed. So good. And I appreciate Daryl and Lisa letting us tell your story. Thanks, Tony, for letting us come to your life group. And, and that's, that's, that, that, that's, that's, that's what real community does. 
it picks up the mat. It picks up the mat. It picks up the mat. And there was some brokenness in there. And I just appreciate you guys' testimony. It's just powerful. See, that's what real community does. See, casual friends, good. Casual friends don't do that. I don't know that all your Facebook friends run over to your house for that. I'm just saying that's what real community does. It carries the mat. So let me ask you this, because a mat represents our brokenness. Mats represent our brokenness. So here's the first question we actually have to ask, and that is this. See, are you willing to reveal your brokenness? Because some of y'all say, oh, yeah, I mean, I'll carry somebody's mat. I'll carry their mat. I'll help them with their brokenness. And I'm saying, here's how we build community, man. You've got to be willing to reveal your brokenness. You've got to be willing to say, I'm broken. You've got to be willing to say, I need some help. And, and, and we don't humble brag about this stuff. I just... I need some real prayer. I'm, I'm really struggling. I just care about two people too much. No, I'm talking about the real stuff. I'm talking about the real stuff. I'm talking about you have those kind of relationships where you can say, hey, man, our marriage has been a battle lately. Hey, man, I got a kid that's just going cuckoo. Hey, man, I, I, I'm going to think my folks are really struggling. Hey, we've got this health condition. Hey, I'm battling some anxiety. I'm battling some depression. Like, like you have to be willing to, 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 to be open and reveal your brokenness first. Then the question that you ask after that is this. Are you willing to carry a mat? Like, are you willing to do that? Are you willing to say, hey, what can I do for you? How about, can I mow your yard? See, that's what real community does. We reveal brokenness, and then we carry the mat, right? So, number one, real community carries the mat. Think about that for a minute. But here's the other thing that I really love. Real community persists. Real community pursues did you notice this guy, these guys? They get to the house, and it's, it's crowded. Can't go in. Hey, man, they, 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 they're not done. They're not done, right? They're not looking to go home. They start looking around. They're looking around like, we got to get creative. How can we do this? we got to think about this. What can we do? Oh, let's go up to the roof. Let's do it. This is going to be crazy. Let's dig a hole in somebody's roof. See, that's what real community does. Real community persists. It persists. You know what some people don't want sometimes? They don't want you persisting. And you let the Holy Spirit lead you, and you step into it, and you say, well, I'm going to persist. I'll tell you what my testimony is. My testimony is that someone persisted. And in the worst time of my life, in the very worst time of my life, my buddy Luke, I don't know where I'd be if it weren't for Luke. I mean, I really don't know. And Luke knew what was going on in my life, and he just persisted. He followed me, and he would just call me, hey, do you want to get together? Now, know this. Luke never offered me any, any real advice. He never had an answer. He didn't try to fix me. He didn't have a solution. He just said, do you want to get together? And he knew that most of the time when we were going to get together, Neil was just going to cry. I promise you this, that there were times when he saw me at church, and I think about this, there were times when he saw me in the room and just went, dear Jesus, not Neil, not today. <laughs> and he persisted, and he persisted. Tell me how you're doing. He was just a listening ear. Like, that's what real community does. When your friends are annoying, like when they're on your nerves, but you know what's going on in their life, and you just persist, man. That's what real community does. Right? These guys weren't looking to go home. They were looking around. They were trying to get creative. They didn't, they didn't go home. They went to work. That's what real community does. Like, real friendships. That's what real friendships do. And so, again, we start with this question. Number one, are you willing to reveal your brokenness? Number two, are you willing to carry a mat? But are you willing to persist? Are you willing to pursue? Like when they say, no, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. Are you? Are you good? How about I come over? 
Nothing, you don't need anything. How about I just mow your yard? See, that, that's real community. That's what these four guys do. All right? Now, watch how this story ends. So they, they, they take this guy to Jesus. They drop him right on the floor. I love this next statement because it's very interesting to me. Seeing their faith. Like, isn't that interesting? Like, seeing their faith. Like, we're people of faith. Hey, eventually, you know, your faith better have some legs to it. It better be visible. We better see your faith in action. That's real faith. You need to see my faith. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, he actually did something. See, that's real faith. As followers of Jesus, our faith has got to have something. Jesus says he saw their faith, right? Seeing their faith. Peter tells us through John Mark, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. Now think about the four guys. They're like, brother, we ain't asking for sins to be forgiven. We want this dude to walk. We didn't come for no forgiven sins. Jesus, that's not what we came for. And they weren't the only ones who were a little frustrated by that. It says some of the teachers of the religious law. These are the Pharisees, maybe some Sadducees. Maybe, these are the, the scribes. These are the real religious people, right? They were sitting there, and they thought to themselves, what? What did he just say? What is he saying? This is blasphemy. Blasphemy is when you speak out against God. Right, because only God can forgive sins. This guy has just claimed to be God. That's, in essence, what he's saying. I like this. They were just thinking it. But Jesus knew what they were thinking. Jesus always knows what you're thinking. Jesus knows what I'm thinking. They didn't have to say it out loud. He knew what they were thinking. So he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Why are you questioning me? You folks have heard about me. You folks have seen me in action. You've seen what I've done. Why are you questioning me? And then he asked them this question. Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven? Or is it easier to say, stand up, pick up your mat and walk? This isn't a trick question, everybody. He's asking them a real question. What's easier? Well, to say that we brought somebody into the room today. What's easier for me to just go, brother, your sins are forgiven? Is it that? Because who can tell? Oh, yes, he definitely looks like his sins have been forgiven. No, no, I don't get the feeling that his sins are really forgiven. Like, who can tell? But here's one for you. If I say to that brother, get up, stand up, paralyzed guy, and walk. Now it just got real in here, didn't it? Okay. So Jesus says, what's easier to say? And then I like this. The scriptures tell us this. But then Jesus said to them, but so that you'll know that the Son of Man, it's an Old Testament reference to the Messiah himself, Jesus referring to himself, so that you'll know that I have the authority to forgive sins. Because only God has authority. God has authority over everything. So you guys will know that I, I wasn't just talking smack. I knew what I said. So that you'll know that I actually have the authority to forgive sins. Jesus turns to the paralyzed man and he says, stand up. Pick up your mat. Go home. Okay, let's see what happens here. Like, do you just feel the room? You're like, oh, did he just say that? What happens if this dude doesn't get up? What if, and, I, you know, you always picture, right? And it says this, and the man jumped up. He grabbed his mat. He walked out through the stunned onlookers. Like, you ever seen those, those videos of, of, of a baby calf that's being born or a baby deer that's being born? And they're like, they're doing this thing, you know? 
This guy's been paralyzed his whole life. You know his muscles are completely atrophied. There's no muscle there. He doesn't get up like a newborn calf. This dude jumps up. That's the God of heaven. He just radically, completely healed this dude instantly on the spot and jumped up. Do that again, man. Do that again. Yes. Right? That's how this guy jumps up. And the onlookers were stunned, which you can imagine. We can all say, oh, I know God can't. Oh, he just did. Like, we'd be a little shocked. And then it says this. And they were all amazed. And they praised God. Note this. They praised God. And they exclaimed, we've never seen anything like this before. So, so let me just point out the third thing. Because we said real community carries the mat. We said real community persists. But, man, I hope we get a vision for this this morning. Because here's what real community does. Real community brings people closer to Jesus. Now, catch a picture for this just a minute. So I don't have any question, and Daryl and Lisa, your testimony may be this, that because of your life group, they've actually enhanced your faith, and you've been strengthening your faith, and that may be your testimony. And your testimony would be, man, we've had our, strength, faith, our, our faith strengthened. I don't have any question that, that they, they picked this guy up logistically, and they walked him, and he got closer to Jesus. But the line that sticks out to me at the end of this episode, at the end of the story, it's almost as if to say famous last words. And I know that these aren't maybe necessarily the, the, the writer and the Holy Spirit were saying this is the biggest point. But did you notice this? These four men, these real community guys, they behaved in real community. And they did what real community does. And they picked up and they carried the mat. And these guys behaved like real community. And you know what they did? They persisted and they persisted. And you know what the net result was? A room full of people, a house packed with people, all praise God. Like, the whole house began praising God because these men behaved in real community, in real community. I want us to get a vision for this, just a second. John, John, the closest friend of Jesus, we think the very closest friend of Jesus, an eyewitness account, one of the disciples was there and saw everything. And John now is recording the words of Jesus. And Jesus is speaking near the Passover when, when he was going to surrender his life. Jesus says this. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Oh, this isn't one of the Ten Commandments, everybody, just so you need to know this, you disciples. This isn't one of the Ten Commandments, and this isn't one of the 630-some-odd laws or commandments that Moses brought down from Mount Sinai. This is, not, this is something new. This is a brand-new commandment. I'm giving this to you. He's giving this to them, and he's giving it to us. This is our commandment. What's the new commandment? Love each other. Love. See, love is the essence of God. God is love. Now, God's the balance of truth and love. But he certainly loved. Well, Jesus, how should I love people? Because I'm kind of generally nice and I really care about those. I mean, love Kimmy, love Kimmy, love Kimmy. Some of you folks kind of love you. And you know what I'm saying? Like we kind of do that thing. We do that thing. And Jesus wasn't done. He's going to spell it out. You don't have to guess. He's going to tell you exactly how we love each other. Watch this. Just as I've loved you. See, that's how you should love each other. So like when you were just being a big idiot, I loved you. When you were acting like ridiculous, thank you, brother, I love you, right? Like Jesus loved them. When, when they were just not responding appropriately, when they weren't getting it, like Jesus loved them, right? That's how we're supposed to love each other, the way that Christ loved us. See, we, you can throw all the other rules away. We don't have to think about anything else. 
You, you don't have to think about, should I do this? Should I not do this? Would that show love to them? And it would have loved them the way that, that, that Christ loved us. Christ was patient with us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When we were ugly and just nasty, Christ died for us. Christ loved us. Now, here's what I love even more than this. Because he doesn't even stop the thought just there. Watch what he says. We got to take this in, followers of Jesus. See, your love for one another will prove to the whole world that you are my disciples. You can give a lot of sermons, you can give a lot of speeches, you can go door to door and you can bang it, but, but you know what was really gonna prove to people that we're the followers of Jesus Christ? It's the way we interact with each other. It's the way we treat each other. You might be new here, you might be a guest here, and it's your first time, maybe you've been here a couple times now and you've been in the building, and you already have an impression. I hope your experience has been good, but you already have an impression of this church. Can I just tell you this? Can I tell you the impression I hope you got? I hope you get the impression that we love each other. Like almost more than anything else, I hope you just felt that. You're like, I don't even really believe what those folks believe. But I love how they treat each other. I love that they love each other. I might further investigate this God of theirs. See, it's how we treat each other. Like, do we greet people? Are we warm with each other? How are you doing? I don't know your name, but I know I want to. Tell me your name. Like, that's how we prove it. That's how we prove it. All right, so let me give you the big so what. The big so what is this. See, real community is the real way to achieve the real mission. And I hope we don't ever forget this because we say this around here all the time. We don't just go to church. We are the church. And the church is a group of people who are on a mission. I hope we never forget that. I think sometimes I get lost in it. I'd say over the last two and a half years, I've got lost in it because we're putting out so many fires over the last two years. God has just said to me, man, Neil, you lost your first love. What's the mission? What's the mission? What's the mission? Don't forget this, man. Apart from a saving relationship with Jesus, people go to hell. I'll say it again because maybe we forgot that. Apart from a saving relationship with Jesus, people go to hell. Do we care? Are we doing anything about it? Are you out in the places where you shouldn't be there, but you're out with the lost? Are you bringing them to church? I'll just tell you this, man. If you're new here, if you're a guest here, if you don't know Jesus, we love you. We hope you'll come back. But more than anything, man, I hope you come into a saving relationship with Jesus. And, and we'll do everything we can to try to help make that happen. Like, we're not going to lose sight of that. It's about the mission. It's about the mission. The simplest way that you can do it, man, it's just the way that we treat each other, the way that we love each other. You can be in genuine, real community. I get it. There's all kinds of reasons not to be in, in community. There's all kinds of reasons not to. There's all kinds of reasons not to leave in, they're, they're lean in. There's all kinds of reasons to avoid it. But we're about the mission. And people got to come to know Jesus. We got to get busy. I, I would say it's the legacy of this church. I'd say, I'd say almost 70 years ago, when Pastor King's Riser planted this church, it was in this community because people in this community needed to know Jesus. And that's what we've done for the last 70 years. We gotta get busy. We gotta get busy. People need to know Jesus. And so we have a big so what. What do we want you to do? Well, this is really simple, everybody. Number one, sign up for a CV group. Be a part of real community. I get it. Everything in you says, uh, 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 and some of you, look, you're just coming back to church. If I heard your story and I knew your story and I listened to your story, I'd agree with your story. 
And some of you are not in a CV group because you've been hurt and you've been hurt by groups. And if I knew your story and I heard your story and I listened to your story, I'd believe your story and I'd say, man, if I were you, I wouldn't. But no, because we're about the mission, I'm gonna tell you this, sign up for a CV group. We have all different kinds of CV groups. There are life groups. We have our core groups. Pastor Jonas talked about Alpha Man. If you're newer to faith, if you have questions about faith, you say, why do those crazy Christians do that? Alpha's the place for you. And then we have support groups. Swergs, we have, a, we have a, a Celebrate Recovery. It's an addiction recovery. You should be a part of one of those groups and make relationships. We have divorce care. It's a recovery group. You need that. You should be part of that group. Right? Find a group. Get online. Call the church. Ask us. Ask. We can help you. There will be sign-ups out in the lobby today. You can go online. It's why we value groups. It's why we get to groups because it's real community. Now, in full disclosure, uh, how many groups do we kill? We killed at least two groups. We killed at least two groups. And now we're part of a great group. And you may join a group and you're like, ooh, okay. That was just that group. Circle back. You know why? Because the only thing that matters is the mission. And that's going to happen as we're in community. And then lastly is be here next week. Be here next week. Next week is house party. Next week we'll kick the whole thing off and we'll, we'll put some more flesh on this so it spells out a little easier for you. All right. I'm asking you to stand to your feet. We'll be dismissed in prayer. If you're one of our prayer team, if you're on our prayer team, come on down to the front right now. Just scoot on down here. Listen, we pray before the service with the prayer team and these people are prepared. And so maybe you're in one of those brokenness stages of life and you got something going on. They are prepared. They're eager. They've been praying for you. We've been praying for you. And so when the service is over, I'm going to encourage everybody to go to the atrium, get a cup of coffee, find some folks you don't know. Just walk in and introduce yourself. But for those of you who have need, come on down here. Come on down here and let somebody pray for you. Let somebody pray with you. It's, it's a challenging season of life. You're going back to school and you're a teacher, or you're a student. Come down here and pray. Our marriage is struggling. Just come down and pray. Right? And then lastly, right over here to my left, your right is Jay. Wave your hand, Jay. And if you go right out those doors, man, if you're new first time or second time, or you've been here a little while, but if you've never been to the welcome room, that's the place to go, man. Head back to the welcome room. You can meet some folks from church, answer, uh, ask some questions, get a cup of coffee. We've got a cool gift that just says, uh, thanks for joining us this morning. And uh, man, I hope your worship time was good. I hope your worship time was good this morning. Thanks for being with us, Pastor. It's always a treat. We love that. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you, that, uh, thank you that you've met us here. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you've been here with us. We're grateful. We're grateful. We're grateful. We thank you that you are the God of unfailing love, that you are the faithful God. Thank you, Jesus. So now, God, here's our ask as we leave this building. God, help us to walk out of here and go be the church to a lost and hurting world that desperately needs a Savior. We pray these things in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, Amen. Have a great Sunday, everybody.